Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Well, I'm telling you, today we are in for a treat. 23 years ago, Pastor Ron and Miss Kelly moved to Memphis, Tennessee to become the pastors of the church that I grew up at. And I'm telling you, it was incredible to watch their vision and their love for Jesus and their love for community and the world just be put into action. And so for the last past two decades, we've been able to observe you guys from a distance. You've been able to encourage our family. For those of you who went on the Bangladesh trip, Pastor Ron and Miss Kelly, have been there multiple times and ministered to the same people that that we had a chance to minister to. And I'm just telling you, last night, they gave us some God words for us. And today, he's prayed up and powered up and prepared to bring a word straight from heaven for us today. So I hope you'll pull out your notepads, pull out your phone, take notes, and lean into what the word of God is going to be spoken to us today. Love you, Pastor Ron. God bless you. Oh, let me tell you this. Leading, yeah, before you do that, now he's in, in... Tulsa, Oklahoma, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, leading the assembly, which is one of the leading churches in our movement. They're incredible, have a huge impact for the glory of God. Let's welcome them. Thank you. Good morning, Cross Point. Man, Kelly and I are so honored to be with you. Last night, said so much about your church as we toured your, your amazing, iconic building Yesterday afternoon, uh, hearing Pastor Jonathan and Erica talk about you with the kind of love they have for you and what God is doing here, this place is so full of the capacity of the energy and the activity of God. And just, just look around this place. I can tell you, Kelly and I, we do this quite often in another church to encourage the church, encourage the pastors. This isn't happening everywhere. This is set apart. Uh, let, let me help you think about that for a moment, even before we get into the message. Are you good if I promise to have you home by 2.30? You good? You good? <laughs> so say at three, say the word potential. Ready? One, two, three. Now I'm going to count to three again, and let's raise the roof. Here we go. One, two, three. So the way you just did it, that was already in you. The capacity was there. And I want to thank you for pressing and pushing the full capacity of this vision. It takes a leader to stand and cast vision, to lead with love for Jesus and love for people. And this is an amazing calling. If you're called to ministry, I thank God that he placed that call on me. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But there are times it's very challenging Hey, I was 6'2 when I started pastoring 35 years ago. <laughs> I wouldn't trade this for anything. And when we go to churches, we can walk in and we're not there very long before we can sense destiny or not, vision or not, leadership or not. Hey, you are led by the very best. Would you help me honor your pastor, Jonathan and his wife, Erica? Honor you guys. Proud of you. Love you respect you, and I learn from you as well. 
You're amazing. I had a, a car, I bought a car a few years back, and it had over 400 horsepower, so it was fast. I had owned it just a few hours, pulled into a parking space, went into this store, came out, and this guy's just looking at my car. He goes, this is my dream car. And he went on and on. He, he knew more about it than I did. And I said, well, if it's your dream car, you should drive it. So I pulled out the keys, handed him the keys. He said, I could never do that. I said, no, drive it. So he gets in, pulls out, drives off, and I'm thinking, I should have gotten his name. (laughs) He pulls out, and, and all he does is circle the parking lot. And then he pulls back in and parks. We're right next to this interstate. I'm like, take it out on the interstate. Turn it loose. See what it would. Oh, I could never do that. And he refused. So when I got in the car and left, it turned into a teachable moment in my life. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart and said, you know, I've given you the keys to a great vision. And don't be content to just circle the parking lot of my vision for your life. Turn it loose. And Kelly and I just want to applaud you because you are turning this vision loose and you are reaching full capacity. Give yourselves just a clap offering. You're clapping for yourselves for the way you love Jesus. So just one more thing. We'll get into the message again. We've got until 2.30, so we're still really good on time. Uh, Arnold Palmer, one of the greatest golfers ever, he, he's invited by a king of another country to come and spend a few days giving him golf lessons. So here's this great golfer giving these golf lessons. At the end of the three days, this king says, look, I want to give you a gift. And he says, no, it was gift enough. You flew me here. You're flying me home. Uh, that's, that's it. He said, no, I have to give you a gift. And he said, well, I collect golf clubs. And the king said, that's all I needed to hear. So Flies him home. A few days later, uh, he receives a package. He opens the package, and it's a deed to a golf club. 18-hole golf course, restaurant, swimming pool. And he's sitting there. He's like, I was thinking putter. (laughs) But see, when you say golf club to a king... A king thinks differently. King Jesus is the Lord of his church. He's the Lord of this church. And I want to applaud you for asking at the level of what a king can do in and through his church. One more time. Let's praise God for what he's doing. I've got a message for you today that I, I believe is placed right into this cultural moment. I'm burdened as a pastor and someone who loves the church and loves the world to speak into this moment. And I, I pray that you, you see as we go along, this is for everybody in the room, every Christian, every leader, every influencer, which is everybody, every parent, those of you who take assignments within this church to serve through your church to advance the kingdom in that place of leadership. And if you are a pastor, I have a message for you today. We're going to Matthew 13, starting at verse 18. 
This is the parable of the sower. Jesus has described sowing the seed representative of sowing seed like the gospel into our hearts. And there are these different kinds of soil representing the different kind of hearts. And now Jesus is going to give us the meaning. So verse 18 says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes, snatches away what was sown in their heart. And this is the seed sown along the path. Notice this person listened to the gospel, but didn't understand it. And so for every one of us in this cultural moment, I challenge you as a Christian, if you are a Christian, it's more important than ever before that you know what you believe and that your beliefs align with Scripture. If there's a difference between your belief and Scripture, Scripture doesn't change. We don't edit Scripture. This idea of your truth and my truth is deceptive. There is the truth, the truth inspired by God, the Word of God. And if we are confused, we will confuse. So it's so important that we know what we believe and we live this. Narratives create norms. The story that you believe matters. And again, I applaud this church because I've seen firsthand in the tour of your building, hearing your vision of your commitment and investment in the next generation. And I see so many of the next generation in this room. So I remind every mom and dad, every leader, the story that the next generation believes matters. Narratives create norms. There's a young man who grew up in Cairo, Egypt. He graduated from the University of Cairo in 1990. Then he moved to Hamburg, Germany, and attended the University of Technology. <clears throat> While there, he started visiting a local mosque. And through that, he was radicalized. He then formed a terrorist cell, and Muhammad Atta becomes one of the masterminds behind 9-11. He flies a plane into the North Tower at 8.46 that morning, all because he believed a narrative that America is the great Satan. The story you believe matters. Narratives create norms. The story we believe is what creates the overarching narrative and determines how we figure out who we are, where we came from, how we define good and evil, how we determine what our purpose is in this life. So I want to remind you today that the Bible is our story and this narrative is to create our norm. God is our creator. God sent his son, Jesus Christ. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He was crucified in our place for our sins. He died, was placed in a borrowed tomb. And on Sunday morning, he rose victorious over sin, over Satan, over death, over hell. 
and he and he alone is the name given whereby we must be saved. And we will not let go, back away from the exclusive claims of Scripture. Culture wants to privatize your faith, which means believe what you want, but don't tell anybody. Believe in the exclusive claims as if you want, but don't try and promote that, give witness to that, or influence someone else to believe that. And if he privatizes your faith, then the culture will never understand the gospel. And so I am so thankful today that you and I are not part of a church where you literally have to smuggle the Bible in. I go and visit with some pastors and they're like, I feel like a Bible smuggler because people have drifted and turned Jesus into a life coach rather than the Lord of all. Celebrate with me that Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Lord. He is leading this church. And you're going to help people understand the gospel. The narrative you believe matters. Verse 20 says, The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it. Receives it with joy. So there's this experience. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. Trouble comes. Persecution comes. And because they have no root system, they fall away. The presence of God is here. One of my pastor heroes, he has challenged me over the years. As often as you can, remind your church that when you gather, you get to host the presence of God. That the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in this room right now. He's here. We honor. We have declared his holiness. We have said, Jesus, you are everything. Because he is. And in that, the Holy Spirit starts to work and you get more than information you experience the presence of God and its spirit and truth that then transforms you. Just information that he was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and was crucified. Just information won't lead to transformation. It's the spirit at work with the word that pierces the heart with conviction and inspiration. And you see who you could be who you were destined to be, who God wants you to be. And in that work, transformation occurs and the word of God takes root. And when it takes root, it starts shaping your character. It shapes your worldview. It shapes the way you see people, the way you see God. To every leader, to every mom and dad, this world will be happy to disciple your kids. But the world will not disciple your kids to Jesus. The world will disciple your kids away from Jesus. I want to applaud you 
and applaud this church because I know that you will never subcontract the discipleship of the next generation to the world. We're going to lead them to Jesus and see the word of God. Come on, somebody. Take root in their heart. And they're going to grow up to be Daniels in a Nebuchadnezzar world. And if I told you today that tomorrow I was going to want run a marathon, 26, what, 0.2 miles? This is a point two that's important. <laughs> and, and I took off on that marathon. I can tell you about mile three. I'm going to call Pastor Jonathan and say, you need to pray now. The paramedics are on the way. I'm not ready. I can't run a marathon. And here's, here's the truth, though. I can't yet. If I train, I can. We're not asking you to try harder to be a great Christian. We're asking you to train for the sake of godliness. We're asking you to put your heart in worship and word so spirit and truth can take root, transform who you are, and you soar into the future that God has for you. You train into what God wants you to be. When we practice, hear the word practice, the greatest sermon of all time hinges on that one word. It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's the sermon Jesus preached. It's exactly how Christianity plays out in everyday life. And at the end of the sermon, he said, here's the deal. Those who hear these words and put them into practice, that will be the person who is like the man who built his house on the rock. And so... If you and I will practice the lifestyle of Jesus, authentically receiving the word through worship and the power of the spirit, if we will practice the lifestyle of Jesus, then we will experience the life of Jesus. I would say this community needs, this, this road I drove in on, I don't know exactly the name of it, but watch what God's doing here. I think the next time I come, as I come in, it'll say, Cross Point Church, next five exits. Why? Because that's, come on, that's what God can do when a church will surrender their hearts to him. In your life, in your home, through this church, may the gospel take root in your life and a result change your life and produce incredible fruit. The seed, verse 22, falling among the thorns, that refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Worries of this life, distractions, deceitfulness of wealth, another way of saying straight up love for the world. When it comes to countering this temptation of the enemy for us to lower our affection and let our affection be, be lured away by our own lust and enticed in love for the world is a reminder that in your life, 
in your home, and I know it's true of this church, that we remember that Jesus did not die for mistakers, but sinners. He didn't live a sinless life and die in our place so that he could forgive our mistakes. He did that so that he could forgive our sin. We are sinners. We sin because we are sinners. Shaping in iniquity. But God laid on him the iniquity of us all. And Jesus was led as a lamb to the slaughter. Came into our place, died the death we deserve, paid the price we could never pay so that we might become. It's good, isn't it? So that we might become. He became so that we might become the righteousness of God. And when we are reminded that there is a sin problem, then we are experiencing just how amazing grace really is. If we get this, then we will traffic right into the truth that Jesus is not only Savior, but he's Lord. And I am so sorry for how somewhere along the way we separated those two things. And now you can accept Jesus as your Savior, but then he becomes an accessory, if you so choose, rather than the Lord of your life. And Jesus did not die, become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God so that he could be an accessory, but that he might be the Lord of our lives. What's happening across church world right now is the challenge. Just imagine if this table represents God. And I would say, hey, come orbit around my life. And I'll call on you when I need to. I'll request of you what I want. I'll work you in when I can. You are an accessory. He's not an accessory. He's a necessity. And I, if this is God, I orbit my life around him. He sets conviction. He sets truth. He sets my schedule. He is my yes. He is my no. He's my boundaries. He's my leader. He's my inspiration, my vision, my dream. He's everything. And when I realize he's forgiven my sin, I'm like, I gladly say, Jesus, be my everything. For a church that will say that, the heavens will open over you and over your life. Thank God. Thank God. Imagine you're at a wedding. I've done many weddings over the years, and one of my favorite moments is when the bride comes in and the groom sees the bride. And there is that moment. It's overwhelming. I remember that moment as the groom when Kelly came down that aisle. It was overwhelming to me. Now, imagine a bride coming down the center aisle, led with, you know, her father's with her, the groom is there, the bridal party's on the platform ready. And as she comes down the aisle, she somehow pulls out her phone. And she says, look, Dad, 
And she shows her dad a picture of her friends. He's like, look, they're, they're having tacos today. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the bride being distracted by something so trivial? We are the bride of Christ. Let's make a fresh commitment today that we will not be distracted, but that we will be focused, consumed with Jesus Christ the Lord of the church. If, if in any way right now that, that just kind of lands as a word to you, just have a fresh surrender today. If you are leading your home, lead your home from a first love for Jesus. Lead your home with a passion for God. Lead your home where you are practicing what you believe. And you don't want your sons and your daughters just, you know, to believe because, you know, somehow it hits them. Let them see a compelling witness in your life, in, the, in your passion for God. Oh, I, I feel this right now. And I feel this because there's, it's like when I'm preaching, it's like the Holy Spirit is like a hand on my back going, say that. He pushes me into that. For the church that will be passionate for God, will raise the next generation to never normalize minimal spiritual passion. Let's go. Let's fire up for God. Verse 23, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word, understands it. And this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times. What was sown? That's the vision. Capture that vision today. It's not just the downside of what we shouldn't do and what's not working. How about the upside of who you can be? A vision for your family, a vision for your life. I promise you, you are living under the power of a king. And when you say golf club, you, you, we think differently than him. He can do exceedingly abundantly above anything we can even ask or imagine. So capture the vision of your life flourishing. And what the key of that happening is that you're not just a hearer, but you receive the word. It takes root in your life and you're walking with Jesus. This is a church I know it's true of this church, and I believe it's true of your life as a believer. As you influence, you're influencing people from faith to faith. That's counterformation because the world right now is wanting to disciple you and this next generation from faith to doubt. We're questioning things right now in the church that we haven't questioned in 2,000 years. Progressive theology is influencing the church, and that means we edit Scripture to fit as though if Jesus were here today, he wouldn't say it like he did back then. And we're making, we're making the world, making the gospel fit according to our paradigm. 
think what we're doing. We're asking the gospel and Jesus to conform to us. Being deceived that it brings liberty. It allows us to to be who we are. And now feelings are leading people rather than truth. And so if my feelings are not in line with truth, I go with what feels right because after all, this has to be right because this is the way that I feel. Let this be a sobering moment that if we allow the world to bring discipleship, it'll be from faith to doubt. That'll create this massive movement that you see right now that is sarcastic and cynical to those who believe the scripture, biblical principles, and the sexual ethics of the Bible. And say, how could you possibly believe that? And it's leading a a mass amount of people into what's called deconstruction to where they're even getting an anger toward their parents for raising them in church and to believe what the Bible says. The answer to this movement of deconstruction is a disciple-making home and a disciple-making church led by the word of Almighty God so that we don't live in confusion, but we live in clarity. Give God praise that we are on mission to make disciples. Disciple toward the love of God, confidence in God. Now, the next counterformational move of the church is that we disciple you to life, life to the full, life abundant, life flourishing as you're led in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The world will want to disciple you to live a projected life. Take social media as a primary example. Nothing wrong with social media in and of itself. It's, it's your capacity. If you can't Use social media without seeing, going to places and sites you shouldn't go to, falling into comparison traps, then get off of it. Because what's happening is the world is discipling people to live a projected life where your entire life is consumed with curating the next post. For, all, for a whole lot of people you don't even know but somehow care what they think. And then as you see other people projecting, not their life, their projected life. Then you fall in a comparison trap. And you try to be someone you can never be. You try to be someone you were never meant to be. And so in the home that, is, that is, has Christ as the center And the Bible as the foundation and a church that keeps Christ at the center and the Bible as the foundation. We help you break those comparison traps. And when you live the life, not a projected life, then you walk in clarity about who you are. You have peace in your life, 
power in your life, you are walking in step with the life God created for you. You don't have to be somebody else. My God, you're set free to be who God created you to be. You're free to laugh. You're free to cry. You're free to be amazed at a sunrise and a sunset. You belong to God. You know you're created, and you're created just the way you are because that's what God intended. You're not trying to figure out, am I this? The way we confront gender dysphoria is to disciple people according to the word where they realize they're fearfully and wonderfully made by God, who God wants them to be, the person that God wants them to be. I need a clap offering right there. We've got a mission. We've got a mission. And we're on it. And we're not without hope and without response. Man, I'm burdened for this next generation. We're making them a problem to solve rather than what God is doing next. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. God always has a next. And the enemy is crafting this massive deceptive lie that this generation will only be known by anxiety and addiction. The church must rise up and remind us all the devil is a liar. God is true and that is not the destiny for your son and your daughter. The destiny is freedom, vision, power, peace, security, confidence, and human flourishing. I walked around yesterday and saw all the places and spaces where community happens. And I applaud you as a church for valuing community, valuing this, the gathering, because growth and healing happens in the context of community. The world would love to disciple you into isolation. And what will result in that if everything I've just said The world disciples us into doubt, insecurity, exhaustion, and confusion. The church disciples you into the energy of God, the vision and activity of God in and through your life, and consistency. Like, you're consistent. You're not in this emotional upheaval. You have found the stability that comes by being a person who is immersed in the power of the word and the power of the spirit. And you are living this life that then becomes light in the darkness and it makes others want what you have. You live in such a way that it begs the question, how are you who you are? How are you living this way? And that's where the church is this massive witness that's more than a counter for this massive movement away from scripture. This is our finest hour. I refuse to let these times happen to me and happen to my church. We will happen to these times. With the world at its worst, we, the church, will be at our best. Give God praise that that is who we are. All right. I want to ask Pastor Levinsky and the worship team to come. I want to move this into... 
the kind of response to just the Lord and what he's saying today. Dietrich Bonhoeffer back in the 30s was just completely gripped by what Hitler was doing and they were minimizing and normalizing uh, spiritual passion or the, let me say it this way. They were normalizing minimal spiritual passion. Removing their ability to speak in the name of Jesus, to make disciples. And Bonhoeffer was completely gripped. And he, out, of that, out of that experience, he wrote the book, Cost of Discipleship. There's a cost to following Jesus. But there's a cost in not following Jesus. He was so gripped that he gathered a group of young adults and created what you and I would call a seminary. And the focus was to make sure they were aligning beliefs with practice. They were living it regardless of the cost. Bonhoeffer's friend came to visit, had heard what was going on, came and watched, and after three days said, this is way too intense. Bonhoeffer invited him to get in a boat. They went across a river up a hillside. Looking over that hillside, you could see Hitler and the next generation being formed according to the most evil vision of the day that would prove to be disastrous. And as that friend looked at what Hitler was doing, then Bonhoeffer pointed his friend back to the seminary. And he said, this, pointing at the seminary, must be stronger than that. We've gotten in the boat today and we've crossed the river of our cultural moment and we've climbed the hill and we're looking over. And we're seeing the challenge to truth. We're seeing the challenge to walk in clarity or confusion. We're seeing the challenge of being rooted and grounded and thriving or being nominal, compromising and lukewarm. believe the Lord sent me today to say way to go church because this this you this you all this is stronger than that the influence of the world the influence of this fallen messed up world the influence of the world the flesh and the devil this is stronger than that Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you are going to be a response to these times. And you understand there's a cost, but you understand it's worth paying to take up your cross and follow Jesus. You understand that Jesus deserves your highest and your best. And that is what positions you not to just be this church successful because of people in seats and the budget and the building, but you are successful in the spiritual realm where you're light in all of this spiritual darkness. You are a standard where there's no longer a standard. You are an example where there's desperation for a godly example. You 
then use, you become the pushback by the way that you live, by the way that you worship, by the way you walk it out. None of us are perfect. This is not a call to perfection. This is a call to surrender. On my best day, I'm not perfect, not even close, but I can be surrendered. If there's time that's been lost due to compromise and sin, just bring it to God today. Repent, turn, turn back to Him. Let this be a turning point. In the Psalms, it says, turn us, God, that we might be turned. I'm not so sure. We've gotten so influenced by the world. We need God to turn us so that we can turn. Turn us again to holiness. Turn us again to miracles. Turn us again to your word. Turn us to consecration. Turn us to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Turn us that we might be turned. May this become a house of consecration. May this be a breakthrough Sunday. May this be a day that sets the pace where you push the full capacity of this vision. Standing with me, everybody. We're going to pray here in a moment, but one way we pray corporately, one way we pray, not the only way we pray corporately, but one way is we worship, we sing. And we're going to declare the holiness of God. The angels cry, holy. When Isaiah went into church that day and he was, he was desperate, he saw the Lord And the angels were declaring, holy, 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 three times, holy, holy, holy. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. It will often say things twice, but never does it triple it. But in that moment, holy, 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 it was saying there's no math that could calculate the degree to which God is God and the holiness of God. And the holiness of God is in this place right now it grips us with a sense of this moment and eternity and Isaiah lifted his eyes from an earthly throne because Uzziah had died the king and he lifted his eyes from an earthly throne and saw that God was on the throne there's no politician that's going to lead us out of this there's no political party that's going to lead us out of this I'm not against politics. I'm not against voting very carefully and prayerfully. But we need a visitation of the holiness of God and the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Ready? Come up here with me. Just every one of you articulate these words and fill this room as we sing. Your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Your name stands above them all. Stands above them Lift all. your hands if you will. All thrones, all thrones. and dominions, all powers, and positions. Your, your name, name 
stands above them all. Declare that again. Your name. That's it. Reach to God. Your name is the greatest. Your name that stands above them all. And all thrones and dominions, all powers in positions. Your name stands above them Declare in church and the angels cry.
God, I join Cross Point Church and we turn this into a room of consecration. And we want you to know that we are humbled by your love and your holiness. We're thankful that your holiness would lead us to lordship and to joy like we've never experienced as we flourish in the persons that you have saved us to be. I pray over this church that the full capacity of all that you want to do will be realized as they honor you as the king and as their faith is built by the word and they offer prayers in faith. They are and will continue to be a church for the troubled, the sick, and the sinful. And as the gathering happens, there will not just be prayer, but prayers of faith in you, our almighty God, who can deliver, heal, and forgive. I pray for every home, every mom, every dad. I pray for every student. Do a mighty, profound work in every home and in the next generation. It is our honor, God, to know you and to make you known. And now let me give the greatest invitation of all in this attitude of prayer. If today you would say, I'm gripped by what has happened in this room. You may not even understand it all, but you're gripped and there's a leading in you to want to enter a relationship with Jesus and you're not just going to cross a line of faith where your sins are forgiven. You're going to cross that line into a relationship where Jesus will be your Savior and your Lord. If you say, I need my sins forgiven. I need the guilt lifted. I need the shame broken off my life. The, the way it's going for me, it's not working. I'm desperate. I need Jesus as my Savior and Lord. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right now? Just lift it up. Thank you. Someone else? Yes. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? This is your day. It's a sacred moment for you in the presence of God. Jesus has awakened your heart. He's awakened your heart. So Lord, I pray right now for every person that lifted their hand that they just simply say, Jesus, would you forgive my sins? Become my savior, the Lord of my life they say thank you Jesus for dying in my place so that I might become a Christian a follower of the way Jesus let them experience what happens when they put their faith in your grace in this sacred moment and I give you praise for it now. I give you praise and everybody said amen can we praise God for those who got saved just now it's the best On the screen, if you prayed that prayer, would you be so kind? This would be very important for you. If you text yes to that number, then this pastoral team can connect with you. They can step into this journey that has started today. This is the last thing I'll say. The prayer team is coming, and prayer team members will be on the left and the right. And if you need prayer for anything, you do it. You just come. I have... Since 2017, as they come and get in place, I'll say this in closing. 
since 2017, I've had five surgeries on my throat. I've got this undiagnosed condition where my throat just closes. It makes it hard to breathe, and they have to go in and do a surgery. And God is helping me. But every time, because I've added enough now, when I'm coming from under the anesthetic, there will be a nurse going, do you know your name? And then the second question is, do you know where you are? And the third question is, do you know what day it is? And they come to the conclusion that I'm fully awake or I'm awake if I know my name, where I am, and what day it is. There's been an awakening happening. Church, you know who you are. You know where you are. And you know what day it is. Live to the full for Jesus. What an honor to be with you today. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.